Previously on House of Phantods, Cassandra accidentally outs herself as an illegal alien in an alternate dimension, and the CIA has some questions for her. Thanks to Wallace and Stephen's timely arrival, she's able to avoid answering them. Ever find yourself in the back seat of a Mustang with two people up front who are so oblivious to your presence you may as well be invisible? That's how it was riding with Wallace and her poet, Prince Stephen. But the upside to being a fly on the wall was overhearing her describe a dream. It was the Paris dream. My Paris dream. I don't even want to begin trying to figure that one out. I do think it's interesting that she keeps complaining about how badly her ears have been ringing ever since having the dream. Why does that sound so familiar? Despite my curiosity, I had more pressing matters to occupy my mind. Did the CIA deliberately reveal to me there's a problem with the hexagon lock? Or did they let it slip because they think I'm just some 15-year-old kid? Because by asking me about it, that's exactly what they did. And it tells me there's a vulnerability big enough to be keeping an eye on the membrane between dimensions. Is there a problem with the hexagon lock I somehow intuited? Or is it hexagram? Because habitually confusing hexagon with hexagram was becoming a problem. What's that all about? One is a geometric shape. The other is a device historically attributed to witches and practitioners of the occult. As a language mechanic, I'm usually more careful. So what's up with this sudden linguistic confusion? As we pull into Stephen's parking space in front of the carriage house, I tell myself I'll put some thought into Wallace's Paris dream after dinner. Since the Bremers in this dimension don't have a dishwasher, the girls and I take turns doing the dishes after dinner each night. I don't know about you, but that's one of the most meditative times of the day for me. As I climb out of the back seat, I'm thinking I might even give some thought to the difference between hexagon and hexagram. I'm not sure when the fog started getting this thick. The sky was perfectly clear as we drove up to the house, but the moment I stepped from the car, it came to life. Not unlike that night a few weeks ago when I stepped out of the Abuela Express to stretch my legs. Only it's the middle of the afternoon, and there's no fog anywhere else but here. It's too late to get away from it. The moment I step onto the front lawn, my secret admirer embraces me with a long, tentacled arm, and now it's wrapped around my legs. The bitter taste in my mouth is back, too. Sure didn't miss that. But there's a part of me that did miss this drifting into that warm, 
watery place of perfect darkness laced with traces of a sweet, visceral bitterness. My wormwood, my everything, its back, I am become bitterness once again. Yes, there it is, the siren's song. Hello, lullaby of darkness, the voice I would run from if I wasn't consumed with the urge to fall into it. I'm going home, aren't I? Home to that place where wormwood grows in abundance, and I don't care if I belong there or not, because it's not about me. It's about the darkness. It's about this voice I'm hearing that doesn't use words. It's telling me it's time to go. Wait, is that a song from Buena Vista Social Club I'm hearing? Despite the tension between them, nothing would keep Wallace and Simone from Eureka Theater's Friday Fright Night when their favorite cult classic was being featured. It didn't matter how many times they saw it. They picked up on something new every time. They were still lost in conversation about it as they walked up the hill toward the House of Fantods. What they encountered once they got there stopped their train of thought on a dime. They weren't all that surprised to see the Abuela Express in the driveway. But what they didn't expect to see was a grown woman laying on the front lawn. Marina was relieved to see Wallace and Simone together. The wedge driven between them by the shenanigans of the opposition had been weighing heavily on her heart. She was, after all, an empath. As the three of them walked toward the figure on the lawn, Marina briefly explained what she'd observed of Cassandra's anomalous encounter with the fog. But in true empath fashion, she opted not to share what she and her mother had been through on the bus with the tentacled creature. After all, there is such a thing as TMI, and Marina Paladin knew better than most the importance of reading the room. Oh, look! It's Scarecrow and the Cowardly Lion. And the Tin Man's here, too. Where's Toto? It was all I could think to say when I opened my eyes and looked up to see my three favorite young psychics staring down at me. There wasn't a drop of fog in sight, and all three girls were wearing the natural fibers Eureka is famous for in our dimension. I was home without even a bitter taste in my mouth. I was pretty sure I was back in Kansas anyway, because I didn't hear the munchkins singing about lollipops. So why was I still hearing that song from Buena Vista Social Club? 
As Wallace and Simone helped Marina get me off the lawn, they happily chatted about getting to see their favorite cult classic, a film short called The Hexagon Lock. My knees started to go out on me, and for a minute there I thought I'd end up face-planting on the lawn again. The Hexagon Lock? I said. They seemed surprised I'd never heard of it and went on in detail about the student film short made by Chris Carter as a project when he was studying at Cal State Long Beach decades ago. So I tried to fake it and nodded enthusiastically, saying, Oh yeah, isn't that the one that made him decide to cast David Duchovny as Mulder in The X-Files? My mind raced to figure out how the mind movie we filmed in alternate 68's House of Fantod's kitchen ended up in our dimension's timeline. But my ears were ringing too loudly to put the pieces of my shattered thoughts together. Wallace broke the silence by asking a question while all three of them stared blankly and blinked. David who? David Duchovny! He plays Mulder? Uh, no, she said. It's Muldoon, and I have no idea who David Duchovny is. Okay, I said. I'll bite. Who plays Muldoon on the X-Files? David Hasselhoff. Duh. And it's not X-Files, it's Hex-Files. You know, the show about the CIA agent investigating how witchcraft is being used by an evil corporate conglomerate to gain world domination? Why hex files? Because witches, obviously. They make hexes? All I wanted to know at that point was when the film short would be showing again so I could see for myself whether it features David Duchovny or David Hasselhoff. I made a mental note to look up Chris Carter and see if there's any intel on the origin story of his cult film. If not, the man has got some explaining to do. But then, so do I. Like how and why Wallace and Simone instantly recognized me, and why I was there to stay in the Airbnb wing of the House of Phantods. And, of course, the biggest question of all, how and why does all this high strangeness connect the four of us? The girls wanted to sit on the porch all night and pepper me with questions about my journey on the yellow brick road after falling down the rabbit hole. But after indulging them for an hour or so, I was ready for a nice hot shower and a real bed which I had to locate myself, because neither Simone nor Wallace would even enter the wing of the house where my room is. And poor Marina can't make it past the vestibule without all hell breaking loose. 
I guess fantods is one of those things you've got to see for yourself before fully comprehending how apropos the title House of Fantods is. I just keep telling myself I've come too far to let the heebie-jeebies send me packing now. First thing that caught my attention as I walked into the room after my shower was a copy of The New Yorker on the foot of my bed. I swear it wasn't there when I set my bag down. It was open to a page, and as I approached the bed, I could swear I heard that song from Buena Vista Social Club again. I don't really know why I started thinking about that gorgeous cover to their self-titled debut album. You know the one I'm talking about, right? Those classic cars lining that sepia-toned street, with Ibrahim Ferrer strolling along like he owns this town. I smiled at the thought. And then, randomly, the city where they recorded it came to mind. It just popped into my head as I picked up the magazine and saw the title to the article it was opened to. Havana Syndrome. Buena Vista Social Club recorded that album in Havana. It would seem that for some reason, someone or something had sent me back to my place and time with a directive that includes Havana. Havana and the weirdest Mandela effect I've ever heard of. It seems Everyone remembers an iconic television series from the 90s very differently than I do. And as much as I really don't want to think about it, I don't want to think about how a film project that alternate Simone handed to the CIA in alternate 1968 ended up here even more. Yes, I have a high tolerance for weirdness. But after all I've been through, I'm really not sure I'm up for any more weirdness right now. (laughs) I really thought this was going to be the night of restful sleep I was longing for. But that was before I began to smell sulfur. It's the same odor I smelled in the kitchen when Mulder appeared through the floor the one that sent me down to the basement in alternate 68. So, of course I sit up. You honestly think I'm the kind of gal who just pulls the covers over my head and hopes it goes away? I sit up just in time to see a chasm the size of a Volkswagen Beetle open up in the wall. A face appears. The flames licking the side of its grinning face seem familiar. Is this the part where I realize I'm being stalked through the multiverse by David Duchovny? Or worse, David Hasselhoff? I'm pretty sure it's neither. Marina had told me the story of the incident with the demon in the wall in this room, the one Wallace lost her little brother to, the one she still refuses to talk about and I could definitely see how a couple of little kids would be traumatized by it. Marina didn't say how long Forrest was in the psych ward at St. Joe's 
before being transferred to a group home, but I got the impression the kid's mind went somewhere it just couldn't return from as a result of it. And unless I'm mistaken, this is the same demon in the wall. Ha 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 